Hey everybody, I hope you're having a good weekend. My name's Ike Morgan, and this is a bonus episode of Down in Alabama. We've been doing this show for well over two years now, and if it's up to me, we'll keep doing it, at least until the host wins the Alabama lottery. So it could be a while. Now since we started, our company, Alabama Media Group, has become a player in the podcast game, with our Reckon by AL.com brand series, such as Greek Gods, about the Alabama fraternities, and Recused, the Jeff Sessions story. Right now, two podcasts I've mentioned here before are mid-season. Ben Flanagan's Bammers, about Crimson Tide fan culture, and John Hammontree's The Reckon Interview, where John interviews notable Southerners, from writers to comedians to archaeologists, and, in this one case, a News Updates podcast host, namely me. So to give you a small taste of the Reckon interview, here's the conversation John and I had. So take a listen, subscribe to the Reckon interview and Bammers, and we'd love to have you back here every working day down in Alabama. Thank y'all so much. Hey y'all, it's John Hammontree here, the host of the Reckon interview. This week we are doing something a little different uh, since it's Labor Day. We're going to do a short interview with AL.com's Ike Morgan, host of Down in Alabama, my favorite morning news briefing. The way I get my news every single morning, you can get it on any Alexa device or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're going to dive right into the conversation so you can enjoy the rest of your Labor Day. Okay, happy Labor Day, everybody. I am here with Ike Morgan, the host of Down in Alabama, my favorite daily news podcast and Alexa (laughs) briefing. Ike, thanks for coming on. Hey, I appreciate you having me in here. This is incredible. Now I see where all the money from our company goes. Yeah. This show, <laughs> this is, I mean, you have two microphones in here. Well, you know, you need one for the guests. You need one for uh, for me, although I usually don't speak into the microphone loudly enough. Um, <laughs> I've heard that sound is something we still need to figure out. See, so we need a little more of that money. They give me one microphone. If I have a guest, they have to just kind of lean in. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can borrow this one whenever you want, Ike. Uh, one of my favorite things about Ike, uh, and something that we bonded over early on, is that um we are both unsweet tea drinkers in a world that tells us that sweet tea is all we can drink in the South. In a social media world that tells us this. That's right. Um, Ike, have you always been an unsweet tea guy, or did you start out sweet tea and move that way in your later no, years? I, no, I drank sweet tea when I was a kid, and it's yeah. always been around. But, you know, you always had two pitchers on the table. And, and before this whole synthetic Southern creation where everybody's exactly the same and you have to have your... Uh, monogram on your sweater and you know all this stuff. Um, I drink too much tea to drink sweet tea all the time. I would, yeah, we would literally good. weigh 600 pounds. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, you grew up in Florida. Yes. In the Panhandle. Yes. You were talking about that um, Southern world, uh, the social media Southern world. <laughs> does Florida uh, does Florida meet that criteria of the South? Is uh, the Panhandle? I mean, come on. Yeah, I don't think anyone de- even debates that. And usually they try to draw a line there. But, you know, to be honest with you, it's like, I mean, it's like everywhere else in the South. You've got, you've got places along the coast and, and around uh, big Air Force bases and everything where, where it's hard to find a Southern accent, even the Panhandle sometimes. You know, I don't say, not hard, but it takes a while. And then you have the rest of the, of the state is uh, pockets of rural and, and a little more urban. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can you can catch a southern accent, or at least a generation ago in, yeah. in South Florida. I mean, Naples is is home to the swamp buggy races yeah. every year. That's southern, man. Tune those in. You used to see that on ESPN. I think they've gotten too 
highfalutin to do that now. <laughs> uh, uh, you watch a swamp buggy race, and that's that's a southern crowd right there. Uh-huh. And, I mean, Gainesville, obviously, SEC country, it's very southern. And I would say Tampa. Tampa seems southern to me. Orlando. Miami. Yeah. I, Miami's sort of a different culture, but, yeah. I sure. Mean, well, Miami kind of took over the coast. You, you've got all those big cities. Yeah, the, you mentioned the Gulf side, uh, some of those Tampa, St. Pete. The smaller counties, especially around there. A lot of it's like the old Florida in a lot of ways with, with the swamps. And it's not as much beaches along some of there, but you have the uh, the old terrain. And, man, it's man, it's humid there. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. Now, you have been in uh, the news business for how long now? Uh, let's see. I am 26, <laughs> and I started in 91. Wow. I, You know, they hired me in, in Panama City to just... Uh, the first time I worked at the newspaper was typing uh, bowling scores into our system there. Yeah. Local bowling scores. One of the important things that local media used Huge. to cover. Yeah. I mean, we dropped the ball on that. <laughs> I, I don't blame people for leaving media completely. <laughs> Over that, I mean, if you rolled a 200 game, you were in the Panama City News Herald back then. Yeah, uh, but yeah, well, now but, you have to post it on Facebook. And right now, yeah, yeah. Who's going to do that? That's right. They're <laughs> not going to take the time to do it themselves. <laughs> they wanted me to do it. <laughs> but so you were you were Panama City doing bowling scores. Where'd you go next? Well, I'm. I, you know, I, I worked up to doing some desk stuff there with the sports guys, and they they taught me a lot of stuff, and I I, I learned that, and and moved to Tallahassee to go to school. Um, didn't do a whole lot of going to school, but uh, I got on at the newspaper there and continued putting ball scores in the paper and did a little news and a little everything else. And, and here I am now on a podcast. Here you are, the host of your very own podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, you also um, recently went back to the coast uh, to survey hurricane damage. How are they doing down there? Well, you know, when Hurricane Michael came in, you know, and and, and the the whole next day evaluation was that this is going to be years, like tens of years, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. People who think that that storm has come and gone are just way wrong. There are fewer tents, but people are still living in motorhomes. There are little parks and stuff. And, um, you know, it's a long way back. People have seen, you know, these... And one one neighborhood, because I know a few people there, and the Cove, which is close to like Panama City proper, is in Panama City near the marina. The Cove was this real thick, heavy wooded area, and it's just, I mean, it is so different now. And yeah. for a lot of folks, that's, um, you know, that's a psychological barrier. You know, they sure, lived in yeah. this world, yeah. and now they live in this other world. And, um, you know, that that's, that's tough. Uh, up in the northern parts of the county where I've spent a lot of time, you know, with some family and riding around and stuff, uh, all the pine trees, these big old pine trees, and they're all broken off, you know, about 15 feet in the air. And yeah. just, yeah. you know, it, it's going to look really different. Uh, you really, personally, I, I worry about uh, long-term economic effects. Yeah. They've got to come back from that. Sure. And, uh, but it, it's, anyway, it's it's just a long road. But, it, you know, there's obviously still plenty of restaurants and bars and people listening who are making one last beach trip uh, uh, well, the this beaches, year. Yeah. Definitely go down there. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing we'll be clear about. The, the beaches are pretty well fine. The, the one Panama City Beach and, and Westward. And a lot, I think that has gone into the fact that nationally people kind of forgot about it quickly was because, you know, they looked and they saw, oh, well, La Vila and Spinnaker and, the, you know, there's some damage in this area, but... 
uh, the beaches seem to be fine. 30A, wow, looks good. I'm going to South Walton. You know? Shocking. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, they must be fine. They must be doing great. Well, that's a different they. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you get across, you go, what we, we would always say is the beach is this one thing, is this crazy spring break or, or what, however you're talking about it. Um, you go across the bridge and across the bridge, talking about Hathaway Bridge, and there's this Panama City. There's a uh, small but growing, maybe medium-sized southern town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a lot like places, some places around Birmingham, even Trustful reminds me of so it's, Haven, you know. So it's not all MTV uh, partiers all the time? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Not, not that at all. It's not the floor of Bama Shore? They, boy, that show's popular down there. The locals love it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. I bet it's their favorite thing uh, on TV. <laughs> Well, obviously, you've gone from bowling scores to podcasting, but how else has the uh, industry changed in your in your time in it? Well, that, that's about it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Everything else is the same. I got, I got into, um, you know, people say, well, I got into newspapers because of uh, Watergate and all the president's men and or, you know, I read Louis Grizzard columns and I did. And that was, you know, uh, I've had uh, enjoyed some of my career reading his autobiography is is interesting, but really it was Dale Murphy that got me into newspapers because in the eighties growing up, you got the newspaper every morning and, and a lot of people still do. God bless you. Uh, we ought to do that if we can, but, um, you go to Dale Mur- the Atlanta Braves box score, see how Dale Murphy did. I mean, you knew how he did cause you watched the game, but I had to still read it in the box score. And then you'd read the comics and the sports page. And then you'd accidentally read a news story. And you know, <laughs> next thing you know, you be- right. next thing you know, you become a reader and you understand about the wastewater problems and uh, you get into news. Uh, a lot of news people just grew up reading the paper and that being the morning ritual. And I think that habit, the habits of the readers are what has changed everything. And, you don't have people locked in for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. over breakfast. Yeah. Breakfast. I mean, I remember um, one of the first things that I did with the local newspaper was uh, movie times. And then that led to mm-hmm. checking movie reviews, which led to reading that section of the paper, which led to reading the rest of the paper. And, you know, when you have Atlanta Braves updates on your phone, or you can go to <laughs> right. Fandango and not only check the movie times, but order your movie mm-hmm. Uh, tickets that changes, like you said, the reader's interactions and and relationship with news media. And I think that, you know, some of the stuff like what we're doing here, uh, hopefully kind of recreate some of that local media relationship that people have so that they, you know, after I hear you talk about stories on down in Alabama, if I want to read more of it, I go to ale.com to read the rest of the story. Um, And so, you know, I think that that relationship has definitely changed, but I think that we're figuring out new ways to kind of well, to yeah, reach markets, that markets are going to do that. I mean, there's a you know, uh, economics is not just just numbers. There, there, there. It's human behavior, and and it is gonna we're gonna find equilibriums to get you know we're gonna and it may be news is different. It may be that readers have to have a different understanding of who's delivering it and how it's coming. It may be the it's definitely sure that that we need to have a different understanding of what readers do and what people do and how they're getting their information. I, I remember at home when I was a kid, now I'm not ancient. I mean, I'm making it sound like I'm old here, I remember <laughs> back in my day. What's today? What's, what's the date? Oh, I don't know. I got to find the newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> the right. newspaper told me what the date was. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that I like about down in Alabama, um, so many people in this industry, whether on TV 
or on podcasting or even local TV. They all kind of have that same attempting to be nondescript accent. But uh, when we, when I listen to Down in Alabama, it, man, it sounds like Down in Alabama. Like Ike has the has the voice for a podcast like this, and you're not going to mistake that you're listening to uh, another NPR show where everybody kind of has the same nasally Midwestern thing. <laughs> well, there's uh, when I was I have no option. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, it, I can't do that. When I was living in California, there was a local show. I think the California Report, and I would listen to that on my walk into work, but I remember wanting to find something that kind of kept me connected to home. And, you know, a show like Down in Alabama would be perfect for that. You know, if you're living in New York, if you're living in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Nashville, this is the type of show that you should go out and subscribe to. Just takes three to five minutes of your day if you want to feel connected to your home state. It's obviously great for people who live in Alabama, too. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the majority Mm -hmm. of our subscribers to it. Uh, and he also works in a bunch of references, and he has a sense of humor. And, you know, almost every episode is going to contain some sort of old school movie, TV, or music reference. <laughs> That's all I know. Uh, no, we, when we started, uh, we'd done a few shows, and somebody came by and said, and, and I've listened to the old stuff, and man, I mean, I, I don't think I'm very good now, but compared to then, yeah. You're but great. Uh, after, after a few shows, somebody came by and said, hi, man, I, I like that. This is a great idea you have doing this sort of folksy thing. <laughs> and I said, oh, yeah, I, th- I thought of that. It's <laughs> all marketing. I, I thought I'd try that out, you know. Sure, that's what I'm going for. I had no idea. <laughs> You've also written uh, a number of pieces and, and rankings for AL.com, um, ranking various other musicians. Uh, I think at one point you might have ranked every single Jimmy Buffett song. Sure. Or at least the vast majority of Jimmy Buffett songs. Who song. hasn't done that? <laughs> I mean, we all do it in our heads. We don't all do it on the internet. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and part of this is that I'm, I've never been a reporter, not full time. I mean, I've done some stories, but I, in newspapers, I came up on the desk and, and, and you know, I, I, I read our stories and compile these uh, these productions for the podcast. But uh, yeah, but I can write a little bit. So they want me to do something. And well, I can I can list Jimmy Buffett songs. <laughs> well, I don't tell us what your top three were. It's a good thing for Labor oh, Day. Oh, man. Top th- I got to remember that. One of the my biggest memory of doing that list is that every time, every single time I would go back and look through it, I would change the order around. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's just going to happen. Did you grow it's, up listening to uh Jimmy Buffett on the coast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in 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 Panama City, Margaritaville was on uh, was on the country station, and and all I listened to for radio was the country station. I mean, I, I still had Poison and Motley Crue CDs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aerosmith and everything, but but it was ninety two point five. It was just the big country station, and and that was all we listened to. I do remember. I do remember my number one song. What was your number one song? The number one song was "He Went to Paris." Okay. And uh, uh, that yeah. still speaks to me, man. Yeah. What yeah. was it about that song? That's the old man ended up down island fishing yeah. his his days out, and that's not the worst way to end the life, you know. No. That sounds, <laughs> you, you could do this job from down there. I'm just putting that uh, idea in your head. I suggested it. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think Puka Puka has a Wi-Fi. So. <laughs> you mentioned growing up listening to country music. Uh, country music is something that might have changed as much, if not more, than um, news media mm-hmm. in <laughs> over the sure. last several decades. Do you like modern country music? Um, you know, the knee-jerk reaction to that is is no, but, you know, 
there are a lot of, uh, there's real country music that's happening out there. I mean, I believe uh, Cody Jinks is coming to Birmingham soon. I mean, uh-huh. this is this uh, a guy making music right now, and, and he's getting big. And when you listen to him, man, he, he did a cover uh, of, of Alan Jackson's song I, I saw on YouTube, uh, and it was just as Alan Jackson-y as it was Cody Jinks-y, and it was, it was modern enough, but it was traditional. And, and I think this whole tug-of-war is almost silly uh, between traditional and, and, and new country music. Um, a lot of what they play on the radio is garbage, and the fault here is that the real problem here is that there's not enough room in airspace on the radio. So I can't put on my local radio station and listen to it all the time <laughs> and hear stuff yeah. that's palatable to me like I used to could. And there was pop music going way back. I mean, if truth be known, George Jones, he did, there are a couple of albums that the only thing country about it is that George Jones was singing. That makes it extremely country. But there's these there are these plush string arrangements and everything else. And this was, you know... Um, that was pop country, really. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we, we could argue all day long about that stuff. I don't want to say I don't like modern country music. Put something else on the radio every now and then, you know. Give me some Travis Tritt. Well, I, and I think that um, the ability to kind of curate your own playlists in your pocket with your cell phone has probably led to the, the change of what's on the stations and what's not. Um, yeah, I said that and people were like, why do you want to put the radio on? <laughs> I do. I want to put the radio on. I want it to be playing in my That's, garage yeah. while I'm working on my truck, you know. <laughs> well, there's dog, your country song the right there. Right there next to me. <laughs> And same thing with Southern movies. You've written a few pieces. Uh, you you uh, wrote a piece about exploitation films, I think they were called. Yeah, I, I'm in no way a um, a, a film uh, critic, and and I know very little. And my list will tell you that. Um, <laughs> ben Flanagan's your man. He, he you know he he knows this stuff. But you know I love these old, and we're going back to the Southern thing again. I love the old exploitation movies and what we mean by that you almost have to see one to know it there's usually a pot-bellied sheriff or a or a evil uh warden it's i mean it's dukes of hazard ish right I yeah mean, yeah yeah like that I mean, if it weren't cannonball run yeah and it crosses over with actually with the horror i mean texas chainsaw massacre yeah uh th- that's that's one anything burt reynolds did before 1980 it's exploitation, yeah. pretty much. I mean, because he's in it. And then Deliverance is like the Mac Daddy of all, which is, by the way, I didn't see that until a few years ago. What a great movie. Yeah. In addition to all those jokes about your pretty mouth and everything. People just know the uh, the banjo scene, but yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, it is. Um, the the best exploitation, what I consider exploitation, Cool Hand Luke. Oh, okay. I, I didn't would, really I think, think that that's one. one of my favorite movies uh, mm-hmm. of all time. I, I guess I didn't really picture that as being a exploitation, but yeah, I mean, you've got the chain gang. You've yeah. got the chain gang. You've got the evil warden with the sunglasses mm-hmm. who's staring mm-hmm. down. Sure. Um, and man, Paul Newman is just oh yeah, I mean, a hero in that. Oh, movie. That, that's such a good movie. So for so many reasons, I, the thing uh, with exploitation is you require almost require like a heavy arm of the law. And and as some people don't realize, used to sheriffs in the rural South could occasionally not walk the line. Oh, really? That's that's shocking. (laughs) This is, this is, we cleaned it up. (laughs) Everything's fine. Yeah. But sheriffs used to run these towns just like the mob would get into the, 
a big city mayor's office, right? Yeah. And and the mob would run, the, and you'd have Boss Tweed and people like that uh, would run the big cities up north, and then the sheriffs would, would run things down south, Roscoe Coltrane or, or whoever it is. And then I don't know if you saw um, Logan Lucky, but that came out last year or the year before, and it was sort of a, a throwback to that. It was kind of like if you took an Ocean's Eleven heist movie, but you set it at uh-huh. uh, NASCAR uh, in North Carolina. And it was great, too. Awesome. Yeah. I, I I can't believe I haven't seen that yet. It was like from the time I knew they were filming, I said, well, I'll look forward to, to seeing that. And I, just, I just haven't gotten around to it. There's so many things. There's too much media to consume. Uh, let me throw in one of my favorites also is Moonrunners. Now, y'all watch this and you're going to judge me because, you know, it's there's some dated things in Moonrunners. But it's the 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 one that inspired the Dukes of Hazard, uh-huh. yeah. and and Waylon Jennings is the balladeer in that as well. Who I think is the best part of the Dukes of Hazard and the best part of Moonrunners. Yeah, he does that perfectly. Yeah, and I, if if I have an inspiration for me doing news briefings, it would be Waylon Jennings as the balladeer. I mean, really, he, he's he's a real talker. He's not faking anything. Yeah, he's just telling you what it is no pretense at all well that's you know <laughs> that's exactly what you're going to get with down in alabama and uh <laughs> what a moment for a spot there and uh once again you can find that on apple Podcasts. you can get it on your amazon alexa device you can get it wherever else you get your podcasts we're um, on spotify now i think that makes us cooler that does make you that's what john archibald uses and he's is that right yeah he's a pulitzer prize winner so wow yeah well uh i think we'll wrap it there And that's all, folks. We'll be back next week with a full episode. 